ramp us up here. Over the last few weeks, I've been speaking about these prayer watches, okay, that God is going, and well, He's shown us and what to establish in this community. I want to just tell you that we, we have to be patient the way we build this. We're not trying to make it happen in three weeks, and now we're up and running. Okay, a few of you messaged me about these prayer watches. We're on a journey, okay, and over the next years, we're going to see this established, and our heart is that every single one of you are plugged into a prayer watch so that you connect with brothers and sisters and have fellowship and pray. Don't socialize over tea and coffee and drink and have lovely cakes. We're praying as a community because the church has been called to be a house of prayer for all nations. That's what the heart of the Lord is. That's what Jesus said. Okay, so we're going to keep talking about them. They will come up, but the requirement is going to be of you to make a decision to say yes in your heart and to commit to something. It's not going to be a minimal commitment and come when you want and feel like it. Those days of that Christianity are over. Okay, it's not on your terms anymore. It's, it's really not. And if you've not woken up in the last 20 months, the church needs to be awake in this hour to see what God is saying, hearing what He's saying to us, and we respond to what He's saying. We don't just sit back and hope that He's going to do it. He's asking of us. We are His ambassadors. We are His kingdom agents here on earth, and He will work in and through us in this, in this time and in this country and this city. With God will do. And if, if we can get one thing right in the next years is prayer. And that's what all it's going to be. We're going to get that right and we're going to commit to that. So if you commit to a prayer group on Friday mornings at six o'clock, you are there Friday mornings at six o'clock. Because it's not, oh, I don't feel like it. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why we push. That's why we go hard and we press into this. But it's a real joy, honestly, today to baptize people. We were supposed to do this was it over Easter time, April time, and we baptized about five or six, kind of nine, seven, eight-year-olds around Easter, which was beautiful. It was a powerful time, but there was a bit of a COVID happening amongst the guys that were being baptized. So we had to delay and pause things. So there's been a buildup to what's happened here over the last, uh, last months. So yeah, today is very powerful that we can build to get to this point, and we've been building up. So I want to let you know, you two, for the weeks leading up to today, this is not just people like, okay, cool, yeah, I'd like to be baptized. Thank you, Farnas and Jeanette, for you've taken people through a class. So it's not just baptism in water, okay? There's baptism in the Spirit that takes place as well. And if you read through the Word and through the Bible, very often those two things happened at the moment of salvation. And we don't really do that much in our society today. It, it can be easy. We've got a whole ocean. You can do it. Pray for people. They can be baptized in the Spirit. They can be baptized in water at the same time and then saved and added. Okay, not just, okay, good luck out there. Hope for the best. It's part of a community that stands together in this. And that's so these guys have been on an incredible journey over the last few weeks getting to this point. Some amazing testimonies of guys being prayed for regards to the baptism of the Spirit. Today is a very powerful moment. As you go under the water and immerse yourself into the waters, it's the, it's the symbolic symbol of my old life being passed and a new life coming forth in Christ. But I want to give you a little bit of history and understanding of what we're doing here today. So I want you to picture yourself and, and go back in your mind if you can. There's, there's no one here old enough that can remember those days. I want you to go back 2,000 years, okay? And just think of the times... In those days, and there was a man called John the Baptist who was in town, and he started baptizing people by full immersion and kept saying, prepare the way of the Lord. 
prepare ye the way of the Lord. This is the baptism of repentance. He says, one is coming who is going to baptize you. He's winnowing fork. He says he's in his hand. He says he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay, but John was baptizing people by full immersion. Okay, and to understand John's ministry, you must realize that his ministry wasn't just centralized around Jerusalem and the small little part of Israel. Because if you read in Acts 19, and I'll read this section here quickly. Let me just get there. Acts 19 in the beginning. And it says here, when it speaks about Apollos going to Corinth, and then it speaks about Paul being in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is in Turkey. Okay, it's on the east side, sorry, the west side of Turkey and uh, in, the, in the nation of Turkey today. And Paul, and when and he says, this, and he says, when he said to them, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We haven't even heard of there was a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, well, into what then have you been baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul then said, Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who has come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying, and there were about 12 men in all. So what I'm saying there is, John's ministry wasn't a small ministry. If people all the way in Turkey, and John didn't travel there, people knew about his ministry and followed the ways of his teaching and his doctrine. So people all the way up in Ephesus were talking about his ministry of a baptism of repentance. Okay? So John was highly recognized and acknowledged as a prophet and as a rabbi as being the son of a high priest, um, which was Zechariah, okay? So when Jesus came to John to be baptized, the first thing John said to him, like, no, no, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to baptize, because Jesus, re John recognized this as being the Messiah. And what did Jesus say to him? No, this must be done. We have to follow this. So what people heard there, and what was happening when that was, John was acknowledging Jesus as a rabbi. Acknowledging his ministry and acknowledging what needed to take place by baptizing Jesus. Okay? So we must understand, and often we think like this in our New Covenant context, John didn't start baptisms by doing by full immersion. Okay, it wasn't a new thing that came about. And, and the, who's this guy? Kind of baptizing people by full immersion, okay? The whole idea of immersion, okay, was part of Jewish religion and tradition. Okay, it wasn't a new thing. People were asking, why is he doing, why are you saying baptism of repentance? What are you doing here? So let me just give you some history here, okay? Immersion, like submersion in water, was a well-known fact through Jewish history, a Jewish religion and tradition, okay? If you speak to any rabbi, you speak to any orthodox following Jew, they will tell you about two subjects or the most important subjects they will speak about and will hold firmly to their belief. One of them is the Shabbat and Sabbath. So that's on a Friday, they have Shabbat, they end their week by saying, God, we, you take over doing the work now, we will enter into rest while we rest in you, you continue working and they have a Sabbath on the Saturday. That's one. It was a key subject 
that people spoke about. The second one, which was a key thing they spoke about, was purification. About being purified before the Almighty God. Okay, to understand purification, there was very strict laws about being defiled. Okay, different things would defile you. So in your defiling, you were not allowed to be around people. You were not allowed to come before God. You had to do something in order to go to a priest to be able to make you clean and pure again. Okay. So there was a whole process that uh, once you were defiled, you had to follow the commands of the Torah, enabling you to become purified again. Okay. There's a word called mikvah. It's a Hebrew word. Okay. Spelled M-I-K-V-A-H. Mikvah. Okay. And basically, this was the word used for the Jewish ritual bath for purification. So there's the immersion, okay, of this bathing that takes place so that you are then purified and your defiling is paid as a priest helps you to become, walk through the bath and to, be, to become made pure again. The meaning of the word mikvah means hope or a place of hope. And another context means the gathering of the waters, okay? All right, and so that God will purify you as you have submerged into the water. Okay, now this was important in those days. If you read, the hardest book to read in the Bible is Leviticus. Okay, if you want to read through Leviticus, it gives you all the law, the raw, the, the laws and the rules and things that defile you. Okay, there are many things. So things like touching a dead body, being around a dead body, um, bo- bodily fluids, mold, there's all sorts of stuff. That you were then not allowed to be in the camp. You had to go outside the camp. Until you were pure again. And it would say you were defiled. You were only pure until evening. And then the next day you could be able to come be part of the camp again. And be part of people. Okay. So men before the Sabbath would make sure that they were pure. And there was a purification that took place in there. So women with a monthly um, cycle that they've got. And childbirth and all those things would defile them. But they would come and be cleansed to be made pure. Again, so you see what I'm explaining to you, immersion was not something that the Jewish people were unfamiliar with. It wasn't like, who's John? What is he doing out in the desert here in the Jordan baptizing people? He was taking something as a rabbi, as a son of the high priest, speaking about a baptism of repentance and full submersion. Because what used to happen is people have to come weekly, monthly, yearly, continually coming to be purified. And to be washed in the waters, okay? So when John came with a baptism of repentance, as I said to you, he was saying, prepare the way. Prepare a way of the Lord. Prepare here the way of the Lord. So he's saying in this, so those folks that are being baptized today, there's a preparation that you've gone through. It's not just, hey, oh, that feels good. I want to do that. You prepare yourself in going and walking into this. And then so what he's saying here, the key signs, okay, when someone was submerged and, and um, under a rabbi, okay, this, the key signs of following your rabbi's teaching was one by full immersion as well. So you see the power of Jesus submitting to John. He was basically saying, John, what you are saying, I agree with. I am the Messiah. I am the one who you've been preparing a way for. And he submitted himself to John and John baptized Jesus. And by doing that, everyone was saying, Jesus is acknowledging the teaching of this rabbi, John the Baptist. Okay? Because by doing that, you are dedicating yourself to the teachings and the doctrines of that rabbi. 
You're basically saying, I agree with what you teach. I agree with what you say. And Jesus said we need to do this as a sign of his teaching to John. Okay, and after Jesus' sacrifice that was paid for all, okay, now we know the power of baptism is not a daily thing you have to come and do, a weekly thing, a monthly thing. This baptism is a once and for all purification that takes place. We don't have to constantly come to the priest. We're all priests, okay? And we all, that's why if you've got a friend and they get saved, you can pray for them for baptism in the spirit. You can take them down to Musenberg and baptize them. You don't have to rely on the rabbi or the priest. We're all priests. We have one great high priest, and his name is Jesus, okay? You don't have to rely on the pastor to be there. Listen to me, because you've got religious mindset, and you have to say, well, let's find the pastor. He must come. Sorry, guys, I can't make it. What are we going to do? You go. Oh, okay. Yes, you're a priest. Come on. Okay. So when Jesus said these words to his disciples in John 15, when he's speaking about the vine and abiding in the vine, he says these words to them. Uh, it's now because of my words, you are now clean. His teachings, what he's built into them. And saying these words over them, you are now clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. Okay? And the word clean there means pure. Being purified by what he's saying. So the, the purification, you see, of this baptism means that it lasts forever. You don't have to keep coming back and being baptized again. I know people have been baptized again because they were baptized as a child and their life went on a different kind of course and they want to rededicate. I get that. I fully understand that. But you don't have to keep coming to the waters of purification because of your sinfulness. Okay. It's once paid for all. Okay. Because we come into him and die into him and we come alive in him as this takes place. Then there's a Greek word for baptism, which uh, baptizo, which primarily means a thorough change of condition accomplished through immersion. Okay. And a sign of purification that will last, I've said. And the past of being defiled was from the outside. Okay. So if you touched or you were around someone, it was always an external thing. But what did Jesus talk about in Matthew 15? That he speaks, what defiles somebody? It's not what comes in, it's what comes out of the heart. The sexually moral, the greed, all those kind of things come out. That's what defiles a person. And he switched it around with the rabbis and the Sadducees and all this. This teaching was all an external thing in the past. Jesus was bringing it home to your heart. Where the seat of authority sits. He sits, as we say that thing, say that line is that we've accepted Jesus into our hearts. He becomes and takes a seat in your heart, the seat of authority in your heart to rule and reign from that position. Okay, so he has a story of somebody who was unclean and defiled in the context of, this, of the, the time that day. And we all know the story of Luke 18, sorry, Luke 8, verses 42. Let me just get there. And this is the, the, the woman who had the issue of blood, and she pressed in through the crowd. Let me just read that section here, Luke 8, 42. And it says this. Uh, And Jesus went, as Jesus went, the people pressed in around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. The interesting thing, just before that, Jesus is on his way to pray for Jairus' daughter, who's also 12 years old. 
Okay, just discharge your blood for 12 years. And though she has spent all her life, all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who is it that touched me? And always remind, every time I read this, a guy preached years ago saying, you know, well, let me, I'll get, carry on. Who is it that touched me? When all that, Peter said, master, master. Like the crowds are surrounding, okay, you and pressing in on you. And this is where Thomas would have said, Lord, I doubt anybody touched you, okay? Can you imagine the crowd pressing in, okay, all around him, but Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out of me. And then when the woman saw that she was not hidden now, she came trembling and falling down before him, declaring in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she'd been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And those words he says to Jairus, you know, do not fear about his daughter. They said, no, she's died. No, do not fear. Just believe she will be made well. Okay. So that story of the woman, we know that story well. Okay. I want to give you some deeper context here. Okay. So now she's defiled. Okay. Because of her discharge of blood. She's not allowed to be in public. She's tried for 12 years to try and sort this issue out. She can't sort it out. Imagine the, 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 the isolation she has felt for 12 years nodding around, even in her own home, she would have to have done things separately. If her husband was very staunch, she would have had a challenge in her own home about being separated. We know a little bit about that over the last two years, about isolation and being, what does it feel like? Not very nice. In our own house, we tried when we had COVID to separate, but we couldn't do it, so we just all got it and got over it, okay? But there's that power that takes place there of isolation. Imagine the pain in our own heart. So for her to be out in the crowd, she was desperate. She was desperate. So she clearly didn't come asking Jesus for prayer. She, did, she wasn't going to stop him and say, please pray for me. Please pray for me. She was going to make a scene. She didn't want to make a scene. She wasn't trying to touch his hand. She wasn't trying to touch his foot. She wasn't trying to touch any part of his body. What was she going for? She was aiming for the fringe of his garment. Okay? So the hem of the garment, okay, and that she specifically was going after that. On a rabbi, there's a blue and white tassel that hangs on the end of a rabbi's garment. And she was going after that. She wanted to touch that specifically because she knew that there were prophecies spoken. And she exercised her faith in absolute bravery to be out in the crowd and to say, all I need to do is touch that. And here's one verse that she could very well have held on to. And it's the, the Greek word we see in the New Testament. There's a, there's a, there's a Hebrew word here, which, which is kanap. And look at this verse in Malachi 4 verse 2. These are the words that it says. And it uses this word kanap. But to you who fear my name... The son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. That word wings relates to that hem, the edge of his garment, of a garment. 
Okay, so it means the extremity, the edge, the wing border, corner shirt of a garment. Now I've got a prayer shawl at home that someone gave me, and I took it out this morning just to double check. And a prayer shawl, there are tassels that are on the bottom of it. So I stood there and put it on. I was like, okay. So if he was, now Rabbi carried a specific one with blue tassels on it that was near the bottom of it. And she, all he needed to do was carry through the crowd just to touch that. Because she was holding on to the promise of a prophecy that said, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. There's another verse that speaks in Zechariah 8, 23 that says, Yes, thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. It's the same word, kanap, which means to almost grasp the sleeve, to grasp that hem of his garment. So she wasn't trying to get him to pray for him. Just, just lay your hands on me, pastor. Then all will be well. She was holding on to promises. She was holding on to prophecies that she knew in her heart. If she exercised her faith, this has got to be the one. John has, John has acknowledged this man. I've seen his teachings. You must remember also that Jesus, Jesus was very popular through what happened. He was invited to all the different synagogues to come and teach and to come and share and to come and read the scriptures. He wasn't opposed straight away. It's when he stood up and read out of Luke, I think it's Luke 2 or 4, where he reads Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he stops and he reads, he only reads halfway through verse 2 and stops and sits down and says, this has been accomplished in your midst. And they're like, whoa, whoa, are you saying, that's where the trouble started. He, he, he starts standing up to the religious spirit started happening but folks you see what happens when we have promises and we have prophetic things spoken over us and we hold on to them but you've got to press in you can't sit back that's why we declare every sunday that's a pressing in not sitting back hoping for the best hoping that god does this so when we baptize folk today you see it's in knowing that you are now eternally pure you're eternally um, purified before the almighty god yes we have stumbling in life. We walk up and down, but this is the power of the blood. That's why I wanted to wear red today. Not Manchester United, not Liverpool, not Wales, not any one of those teams that Yokes like, okay? Who in Formula One races red? Ferrari, not Ferrari, okay? Okay, this is about the blood of Jesus that has paid a price for you, okay, to cover for all your sin. Past sin, future sin, everything is covered by the blood of Jesus, the symbolic of going into the water is a purification today. It's a once-off purification that sets you and makes you clean before the Almighty God. He has given us the powers. John speaks about that if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Okay? We all stumble and fall in different ways, but your standing is righteousness before God. Okay? Your state, as Fana says... That position between people and things that happen in your life, he has given us the process to confess and to come before him with a humble heart and set right before God so that because you've been made pure, because the blood of Christ has atoned for everything, you have access to the throne of the Almighty God. And Hebrews says that I can come boldly 
I can come with confidence before the throne of the Almighty God because of my purification, because of the blood that has paid a price, I now stand holy before the Almighty God. So what was Kathleen speaking about a couple of weeks ago? The Old Testament is all about you couldn't touch anything because it would defile you, okay, because then you were not holy anymore. Jesus came and switched it around and he touched all the dirty and the defiled and he brought healing and he spun it around. That's what we carry today. Amen? So as this happens today, this is a very powerful moment that takes place. This is not a, a, a just witnessing before people. All heaven takes notice over your life today. You set an order. The heavenlies acknowledge what's taking place over your life today as you get baptized. The demonic shudder at this purification that takes place in your heart and your life. I know stories of guys that as they've gone into the water, strongholds have been broken off of their lives, and they've been set free. That's why we're all involved here, because we are praying, we're honoring, we're thanking God for what's taking place here. Amen. Okay? And this confession, you see, of our salvation has made us sons and daughters. We're not paupers, we're not orphans, now, hoping that this almighty God will accept us. No, you're an heir to the throne. And you come as a son and a daughter before the almighty God and as a symbol of purification that takes place in your heart. Now, you must realize those words that Jesus spoke. Let me read those in John 15. And then we're going to get the kiddies back. We can sing a song and do the stuff. John 15. You see, he starts by John 15 saying, I am the true vine and my father my Father in heaven is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That whole, I'll have a sermon on that too. And that whole taking away, he's not cutting it off and throwing it away. It actually means lifting it up. Okay? So that every branch that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. And these are the words that he says to them in verse 3. Already... You are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. This is just getting wet and coming out the water if you did not, not acknowledge Jesus. If your life doesn't continually start producing fruit after a moment of purification that takes place with baptism and the acknowledgement of Jesus as Lord and Savior and the blood that covers everything, it's walking and abiding in Him. It is not the gospel of salvation. It is the gospel of the kingdom. This step, okay, is just the first step into the journey the Lord has for you for the rest of your life. Your scroll has already been written. It's you working and walking in the will of the Almighty God and finding favor and blessing as you walk with Him in your life. Yes, you will have trials, we'll have persecution, we'll have troubles. Jesus promised us that. But you know that your standing with the Almighty God never changes because of this purification of His blood being paid for you and the symbol we do today of immersing you in water. And I want to just say to people as we finish off here, and I want to pray for the guys before you go to get baptized. And then we'll sing a song together before we get it all together. There are many people that are sick because of this season we've been through. There are some people that have got lingering issues regards to COVID. I know Robin, Robin Knott 
struggling. Our staff were nailed this last few weeks with this COVID thing. They've all come through. But the, there's healing in his wings. And we, and we need to believe that. I might sound controversial, but I know people like this already. And there was a lady last week who's been in our church for years who has symptoms now and illness regards the vaccine. We are trusting God that she will be healed. Okay, we, we do not serve a God that cannot heal. We're not the, that sign that sits outside that church in town saying, the blood of Jesus will not protect you from COVID. Please get vaccinated. Okay, that's not the point. The point is the blood will cover us. He is the Savior. He is our salvation. And I want to encourage you, okay, if you're sick, press in. Don't just sit back and say, well, you said he would, but you're not pressing into the promise. You're not pressing into the desire of the Almighty God to touch you. You don't have to now touch the hem of his garment. All you need to do is call out to him, okay, because he's made us sons and daughters. He's given us access by the Spirit of God to be able to commune with him, to ask of him, okay? So don't be apathetic in your, in your desire to be healed, and particularly with the stuff with COVID, because this is the fear-relented stuff that hinders people's walk in God. And the enemy's not, I nearly said a, a wrong word there, the enemy's not an idiot. Okay. He's not an idiot. He knows how to nullify you with fear and with guilt and with shame and, and wearing you down slowly. And you lose hope. You're like, oh, come on. And I know there are many of us that have lost hope. When we sing that song, draw close, draw you close, draw me close to you. I actually changed the words at the end of that verse because the verse said, help me find the way. And I changed the words to Jesus, you're the way because we do know the way, but there are times when we don't feel he's near. And that's normal, but it's the pressing in and asking, Jesus, you're the way, help me know that you're near. No matter what I'm walking through, you are near to me. And there's moments when he feels very close, there's moments when he feels very far. But you know what? Who's changed there? It's you. If your belief and understanding of who he is to you. So those guys that are being baptized, I want you all to come to the front now. And we're going to pray for these guys as they go. All the baptism folk. The today people, okay? Today baptism. <laughs> you guys know who you are. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, come stand in the lack along line, yeah? Awesome. Okay, we'll give you guys a, thanks Tina, we'll give you guys a chance to go and get changed in a moment now, okay? This is a powerful moment, okay? We're all witnessing this, all of heaven is witnessing this moment today to see when, well, what God is going to do. Great to see you guys, eh? Awesome. So let's reach out a hand as we pray over these guys as they go through this powerful moment here today. Not just something they have to do, they felt stirred in their hearts. Father, we want to thank you that as uh, John the Baptist prepared the way, we thank you that the, the hearts of these folks has been prepared to acknowledge you as their Lord and their Savior. And Father, we thank you that today, that as they are going out under the waters, we thank you that a powerful spiritual transaction takes place. It's a symbol of understanding my old life is behind me and my new life comes forth now in Christ. And I do pray, Lord, as you spoke to your disciples now, saying that my words now have made you clean, I pray that every heart, everyone here produces fruit for your kingdom. 
as they abide in you, as they walk in you, and they journey with the power of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding them. Father, we want to thank you that you're for us and you're with us. And you are smiling down, acknowledging these moments of times when we see people being submerged into water, knowing that they are forever pure. They're ever holy before the Almighty God. Amen and amen.